0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Ozzaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we continue in this brand new series called Peace in an Anxious World. And if it's not you, you know someone who deals with anxiety, which is at epidemic levels in our culture. This message and series is one you need to hear because there is hope and a plan through Jesus to find a better way for us to live in peace in the midst of all this confusion. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today is part two of the message called, Why So Anxious? Pastor Sean is teaching from Philippians chapter four and Matthew chapter six it's time for Reaching for Real Life.
1: Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. That, that's an interesting phrase. What's the difference between prayer and petition? Petition, we understand, is a specific request. God, you know, I'm anxious about this. Would you please intervene? God, I bring this one before you, God. And it's a specific thing. Prayer, and, and I think this is very important, Prayer is that more general sense of communion with God. Prayer is how we interact and how we commune with God. He's saying prayer and petition. Yes, bring your requests. And he's going to say that specifically in a moment. But don't forget just to be with God. Don't forget just to enter his presence. Do you know when you are anxious about something or when when something's happened and you're reacting to it, just the simple act of stepping back and going, wait a minute, God, what do you think about this? Just the simple act of acknowledging God in the moment can begin to bring peace and begin to change the way you think about that. See, he says, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, and circle this one in your notes. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And look at this promise, look at this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. This is not like any other peace. Okay? This isn't just a ceasefire. This isn't just, you know, nice sentiment. This is something different. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds will guard circle that circle guard will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus from what from that anxiety and then he goes on to this he goes right into this passage we again this is another one of those passages but we sometimes think they're separate no they're together he says finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure Whatever, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I love that phrase, God of peace, because remember he talked about the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds? The God of peace. He ends by literally giving God this, kind of putting this character quality on our God. The God of peace will be with you. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that it is and the effect it's had on my life and so many lives in this room and people who are listening. I just pray that you'd speak to us. Help us to hear your heart and give us the courage to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the main point. God knows we live in an anxious world, but has made a way for us to choose peace instead. God knows we live in an anxious world, but has made a way for us to choose peace instead. And if that is in your notes, that's a typo. Has made a way. He has made a way for us to choose peace instead. See, it's not like God is somehow saying, well... This is ridiculous, your anxiety, your fear, that's just ridiculous and that's foolish and you don't need to be worrying about such things. No, he knows that we live in an anxious world. He knows that we can be prone to anxiety. That's why he addresses the subject. Multiple occasions he addresses the subject. The answer is not to pretend and hope it goes away. The answer is to stand up, acknowledge it, and then say, Lord, what do you have for us? And that's what we're going to look at. I want to suggest in that passage of Scripture, God's given us three important keys to walking in this peace that transcends comprehension. Before we get to the first one, let's look at this passage of Scripture, John 14, 27. I love where Jesus says, and again, look how he says it. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. In other words, it's, it's a different kind of peace. Just like Paul said, it transcends comprehension or understanding i'm giving you a different kind of peace says jesus and look what he says let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid i want to suggest it begins with the heart here's the first point first key to the peace that transcends understanding is a heart of peace It's a heart of peace. And I think what's really important here is that we understand this peace moves from the inside out. It it doesn't work the other way. Peace starts on the inside. Being free or at least getting victory over anxiety begins on the inside, not on the outside. And, And for a lot of us, we think that's exactly backwards. We think it starts on the outside. We think if I could get rid of this problem at work, then I would have peace. If I could get rid of this issue at home or in my marriage, or with w- one of my kids or with with a relative or whatever it is that's causing you anxiety, if I could get rid of that person at work, then I wouldn't have a problem anymore. And when I say get rid of that person, I don't mean in a Thanos kind of way, right? You know, we're not talking about they just disappear. Okay, that was a very nerdy moment right here at River City. We're not talking about like eliminate them, disintegrate them, or anything. What we're talking about is is if they weren't in the picture, then I could have peace. Because they're the problem. I want to suggest to you, and we'll talk about this more, research, uh, the Word of God, and if you stop and think about it, personal experience is, yeah, the answer is not the external stuff. The answer, it starts on the inside. A heart of peace is what he wants to give you. A heart at rest, a heart at rest peace. And in that passage, he gives us two very important phrases. And if you're not paying attention, you can just treat them like nice little uh, platitudes and just blow past them. I want to suggest they are key to having a heart of peace. The first one is how he opened the whole passage. Remember what he said? He repeated it. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Do you understand joy in the Lord is one of the beautiful qualities of a heart that is at peace, joy in the Lord. And you're like, well, that'd be great. I want joy in the Lord, but my problem is I work where I work. My problem is I live with the people I live with, or I work with the people I work with, or I struggle with the things I struggle with. That's the problem. Notice he doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He said rejoice in the Lord. I believe that's the key to actually being able to rejoice in the midst of your circumstances. But understand the power of that simple phrase. We've been called to a relationship with Father through Jesus Christ that allows us to rejoice in Him. Rejoice in His presence. Rejoice in His voice. The love that He covers us with, that He fills us with. He gives us joy. The second fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love what? Joy. Peace. His presence in you becomes a fountain of joy. Rejoice in the Lord. doesn't mean I'm happy about my circumstances. doesn't mean I'm happy about relational issues I'm struggling with or failures that I think I've had, or, or it, it doesn't mean that. What it means is that in spite of all that, He's with me. The Lord is near. I'm filled with His spirit. and His spirit is the spirit of joy. Rejoice in the Lord. that's powerful. Tap into that joy. A second heart condition that he alludes to, again, and it's easy to blow by, but he points it out. Remember, he says the, the heart, this is going to guard your heart. That peace that transcends understanding is going to guard your heart. That second quality is gratitude. Remember, he said, present your request to God with thanksgiving. Oh, like, oh, that's nice. Paul threw that in. Thanksgiving, gratitude is so huge it is a protection to your heart do you understand when we're and i don't care if it's because we're angry i don't care if we're mad or anxious or our feelings are hurt do you realize that we have the ability to stop in that moment and instead of letting your heart turn and get sour and even become bitter we have the choice to stop and and do you know what what the the old preachers called count your blessings Count your blessings. An old song. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. That's not just kind of a hokey old song. That's really good advice. Imagine you're feeling anxiety. If you can if you can stop, because that's what Paul did. He stops you, and he says, well, wait a minute. When you make your request, do it with thanksgiving. Do it with thanksgiving. When you stop and all of a sudden go, Lord, I've got a lot to give thanks for. And start to give thanks for the things you can. Now, some of you go, Sean, you don't know where I'm at. I don't have much to give thanks for. Uh, I'll give you one. Um, you're here, you're not listening to this in a hospital bed somewhere. You're here, you're not listening to it from prison. That's the truth. Stop and think about it. We all have reason to give thanks. I'm here, I'm not fighting sickness like some people I know who I pray for. I'm, I'm here, I'm not in prison like some people I know and pray for. I have family. You know, you may have problems at work. My work problems are causing me stress, causing me stress. Because you have a job. That's something to give thanks for. It doesn't mean the problems aren't real. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying denial here, no pie in the sky. I'm just saying, Lord, thank you that I have a job. Yeah, I've got these issues I'm struggling with, but thank you that I have a job. Thank you that I have a family. Thank you that I have my health. Thank you that I'm able to come to church. You see, you begin to count your blessings. All of a sudden, you begin to feel different. It protects your heart. Gratitude is such a beautiful position of the heart. It really is. You can just tell. When you're around a grateful person, it's fun to be around someone who's grateful. And when you're around someone who is more focused and wired up with resentment, you can also feel that as well. See, a heart of peace is one of those keys that I think Paul's offering us, the Lord's offering us, as we look for that peace that transcends understanding. See, God knows we live in an anxious world, but he's made a way for us to choose peace instead.
0: And let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Why So Anxious, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
1: God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
0: And now the conclusion to the message, Why So Anxious? This is Reaching for Real Life.
1: A second thing, not just a a heart of peace, but a mind at rest. A mind at rest. And some of you right now just need to receive that idea, a mind at rest, because here's what happens. One symptom of anxiety is obsessing over the what-ifs, you know, honest over and over again. Any of you ever done that? Yeah, mm-hmm. like the three honest people in the whole room. And a bunch of liars. I'm going to speak on honesty in a few weeks. Don't worry about that. Come on, we've all done that. You know, you get so obsessed and start worrying about what, what, if, what if, what if. What if they say this? And what, what are they going to think? And, oh, what am I going to do? And, and, and by the way, notice those are all things that are in the future that you can't do a thing about yet your mind is caught up and obsessing over all these things the the other thing that that peace would do according to paul it would guard your heart and it would guard your what your mind guard our hearts and our minds see i think a, a very important question especially if you're wrestling maybe with anxiety right now where is your focus what are you focusing on because it is no coincidence let's look at this passage again remember what he said Finally, brothers and sisters, look at the first one. Whatever is true. Do you know how much of our anxiety is is about things that aren't true? I I think they probably think this about me. I think they'll feel this. I think they'll do this. I think they'll, I think they'll... We obsess about things that aren't true or things in the future that we can't control anyway that that aren't ever going to happen. And he's saying instead... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you mean I can control what I think about? Uh Uh-huh. I can. I can actually choose to stop and say, wait a minute, what is it my mind is going to choose to dwell on? I can give thanks. I can think about different things. I can put my mind to a productive use. My question as you think about is what does your mind dwell on when you're tempted with anxiety or when you're struggling with anxiety or wrestling with anxiety? Because you can choose. I love what Jesus said here, Matthew six thirty-one through 34. He says, therefore, do not be anxious. He's, again, with the command. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? And he's not saying these aren't important things. But don't be anxious over them. For the Gentiles or the unbelievers seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, being right with him, and all these things, what you eat, drink, wear, they'll be added to you. And look, here it is. He says it very plainly. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. I love that phrase. Let tomorrow worry. It's got, it, it can let it worry about itself, all right? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I love that. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. You, you do understand. Um, none of us, I don't want to be grim here, but this is just empirically true. None of us is guaranteed tomorrow. I mean, right? We're all, we're all big boys and girls in here. We can, we can acknowledge that. None of us is guaranteed tomorrow. So we can sit and obsess about what we may never face and think about, think about how much of our anxiety is about what might happen in the future, what might, might happen, what might be, when we're not even guaranteed that we don't know what tomorrow holds. Jesus says, "Tomorrow, let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Stop. If all future worry, if you just made a rule, I'm going to obey Jesus on this one, I'm not going to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. How much of our stress, at least, and our worry and much of our anxiety would be relieved if we just acknowledge the reality that we're not even guaranteed tomorrow. Because, folks, it is true. We worry about and we get obsessed about and we get stressed over all kinds of things that just never happen. I mean, sometimes things do happen. I had a chance to put this to the test. I'm not a person who I'm not a person who um, feels a lot of stress or carries a lot of anxiety or things like that. I'm just not. I never have been. Uh, actually, a few months ago, I actually had a doctor's appointment. I had I talked to my doctor, and I said, you know, I've been feeling. And I don't know if you know what I mean when I say that. I've just been feeling stress. And I, it wasn't a particularly heavy season. There were a few big things that I had on my plate that I, I came to discover, yeah, I'm, I'm obsessing over what might happen if these don't go well. But I felt it. But that was nothing compared to seven, eight years ago when we bought this place. My wife, so when we went through the purchase of this property, my wife said in one year she watched me age more than I had aged the entire time we'd been married. And she wasn't, she wasn't, she was serious and it was true. And again, I don't, I don't sit and stress over things, but there was so much The the commercial realtor, the attorneys, and the uh, title—the closer with the title company—said this was the most complex real estate deal they had ever seen. That year was the biggest real estate transaction in San Antonio. We made this thing they call the list, and I was up to my eyeballs in it, with the attorneys, with our realtor, with all the different negotiations and all the stuff. And you may know the story. But it was in 2009 when all this was happening, and that was when the financial crunch was really getting at its worst, and ev- it was becoming public. And so at the beginning of 2009, we had a number of lenders saying, oh, yeah, we had a, we had a buyer for our property. We had raised some money. We were in a good place. Oh, yeah, you can do this deal. Within four months, they all backed out, everybody. Now, we had already given $150,000 earnest money. We'd spent another 210000 on due diligence money, architects, attorneys, engineers, to check out the project so that's three hundred sixty thousand dollars and month goes by month goes by and no lender there they've all backed out we 20 25 lenders and if we don't by november they gave us two extensions if we don't come up with a lender we are going to lose everything we've invested and this whole deal is going to go away And we're praying and asking the Lord, Lord, we believe you led us in this. We think you brought us. And, you know, again, most things we worry about never happen. This one did. And November hits and the whole deal falls apart and we lose that. And I got to get up before the congregation and say, yeah, that (laughs) 360,000, it's gone. Sorry. And I know there's some things I did that I could have done better through that time. I'm certain that's always true. But there was one thing I did right. One thing I did right. I remembered the Lord was near. I remembered the Lord was near. And I knew at the end of the day, this whole thing isn't on me. Also, another thing that had gone in my favor, had a great group of leaders around me. Didn't go through it alone. That's so huge. Because ended up, after this whole thing falls apart, the elders, we get together and we have this conversation and we're all talking about it. And to the person, we all believe God's still in this. We still think he's going to do it. (laughs) you're like okay that's (laughs) hard-headed you guys are delusional no we just heard from the lord we'd heard from the lord and of course you know the story a year later the the owners come back to us they couldn't sell the property and what was 100 acres for 6.5 million became 110 acres for 5 million and we were able to find a lender the deal closed and well we're here today what a what an awesome testimony of god's goodness But I have to tell you, there were all kinds of times when I was tempted to forget that the Lord was near and tempted to put too much of this on my shoulders. And like I said, one thing I did right was I I didn't forget that. I remembered he was with us. I remembered it was his deal. And the other thing that was just his gift was great people around to walk with. I didn't walk through this alone. A group of us walked through, and it made such a difference. See, not only does he want to give you a heart of peace and a mind at rest, but this is so so important. And this is where the rubber met the road for me. He wants to give us belief that informs our behavior. Belief that informs my behavior. See, so many of us suffer with anxiety because of false beliefs. And a core idea is the Lord is near. I, I want to say to you, if you're wrestling with anxiety right now, the Lord is near you. He is near question for you is do you really believe this see how does the reality how would the reality that reality the lord is near change how you see your circumstances particularly your anxious moments i know it's it it saved my life at that point or at least my sanity and you want to know what's interesting the day after that deal fell apart um we were all still fine the very worst thing that could happen in that deal in my mind happened And we just went back and started having church again. I mean, we had church the whole time, but we just went back and did what we do and let God work. And he revealed that he was near the whole time. How does that reality, think about the situation you're facing right now, maybe your anxious feelings or anxious situation or anxious, whatever it is you're anxious about. How does that reality change how you face that, change how you feel about it? The Lord is near that empirical, eternal, spiritual truth that God is near. Do you believe that? See, Paul said it this way. At the end of his whole conversation, whatever you've learned or received or heard or seen in me, put it into practice. Do you realize if, if all we do is talk about the peace of God, talk about the potential, talk about the idea that maybe God could be near, but we never put that reality into practice, it doesn't do us any good? Our belief must change our behavior. It must inform our behavior. Or that brings into question whether it's really belief or not. If I don't believe it enough to act on it, is it really belief? Is it really faith? And then he says this, and the God of peace will be with you. Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. My belief must impact my behavior. And he invites me to bring my anxious thoughts my anxious feelings, my fears to the Father, whom Paul refers to as the God of peace. The God who loves you, who gave his life so that you could be set free, is the God of peace. He did not create you to get beaten up and overcome by anxiety, stress, or depression. He didn't. He loves you. And he wants you to be free.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Peace in an Anxious World, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.